You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Monday, July the 26th of 2021. Happy Monday, everybody. I am Lucas Smith. St. Louis Cardinals mega fan and your host for the show. We've got some baseball to talk about, and it is trade deadline week in the sport of baseball. Always a fun and exciting week. It might be a week full of torture for St. Louis as rumors are teased and things are talked about, and it's looking more and more like the Cardinals aren't going to make too many big deadline acquisitions and make any sort of push forward to the playoff this year. But who knows? Maybe John Mozeliak, Michael Gersh, and company have some tricks up their sleeves for the trade deadline this week. Before we get into the show, and I'll let you know what we're talking about today in a minute, I do want to let you know that it is brought to you today in part by Locked on MLB Prospects. Head over to Locked on MLB Prospects. That covers every future star of the MLB. Host Arm Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every single day. Subscribe to Locked on MLB Podcasts or MLB Prospects, excuse me, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Follow this podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at LJFastball. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. And, of course, you can email the show anytime at LockedOnCards at gmail.com. Pretty frustrating weekend in Cincinnati. The Cardinals fall two out of three in Cincinnati. And it was really frustrating on a lot of different levels. I'll get into it. But first off, I'll kind of lay out the the lay of the show today. Talk a little bit about what this weekend meant in terms of how the Cardinals are going to approach this trade deadline. It's not going to be a fun conversation because they're going to need some, some, some big time moves that I don't think are going to happen. Talk about the weekend that was in Cincinnati as well as you really came away from it thinking, man, the Cardinals really could have won two out of three especially Friday and Sunday. You could even have made an argument for Saturday. Because, I mean, I'll talk about this in segment two, but how, how did those home, balls off of the bats of Nolan Arenado, Dylan Carlson, and Tyler O'Neill not leave the park, or Paul Goldschmidt in the seventh or eighth inning? Especially Carlson's. Holy cow, that ball looked like it looked like it was murdered. And then segment three, we're talking about the outfield. Because the outfield had a banner weekend, making me look smart. I talked about them on Wednesday or Thursday of last week. I'll kind of go over that conversation again about the potential. Talk about their banner weekend. Again, they're making me look smart, and I like looking smart. So we're going to get in, get into it right now, talking about the trade deadline that comes up this Friday in St. Louis. It just doesn't look like they're in a very good spot. They're not in very. It's not in a very good spot for the St. Louis Cardinals right now, as. After losing two out of three to Cincinnati, they don't gain any ground. The Brewers take two out of three against the Chicago White Sox. So the Cardinals sit at 500, 50 and 50, eight games out of first place, a game and a half out of the Cincinnati Reds, who look stronger uh, than, than they did th- four days ago. And the Cardinals currently sit seven games back of the San Diego Padres for that second wild card spot, Philadelphia and Cincinnati. Uh, both uh, ahead of St. Louis. Philadelphia and St. Louis are both tied. They're both at 500. So things are not looking good for St. Louis in terms of the the trade deadline. It doesn't look like they're going to be very active either. And that, 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 to me, that's the most frustrating part. Because this team, I think... Here's what I'll say about this team. This team right now, as it stands, a lot of people talk about this on Twitter, and I'm starting to agree, this team, as it stands, is a 500 team. 
That's exactly what they've played to up until July 26th as a 500 team. And that's okay. Well, that, that's not okay. But they're playing to exactly what you thought. A really bad June. They've had a nice all-star uh, post-All-Star break run here. Even pre-All-Star break going back to the series against the Giants. And then the two games against the Cubs, they, they look pretty good. But they're on a nice sh- stretch because I think in June they vastly underperformed. And June is going to what kill, is going to be what killed this team. June is. Yes, I know that I was talking a lot last week about how important the series against Chicago and Cincinnati was. Yeah, those were absolutely important. Because if the Cardinals sweep the Cubs and take two out of three against Cincinnati, or even if they do what they did against the Cubs and still take two out of three against Cincinnati and sit tied with Cincinnati, then this season, the outlook looks a lot different for this week. But June is what's going to sink the Cardinals. The the just really, really atrocious June. But like I said, this team as it stands right now is a 500 team. You know, especially, especially with the amount of pitching injuries they have had. So a 500 team is not going to make the playoffs. They did last year because it was COVID and it was weird and Milwaukee Brewers made it even though they were sub-500. But this year, a 500 or sub-500 team isn't going to make it. It's not rocket science. So for this team to be able to make the playoffs, they need to make some moves. The problem is, Mosellock has said that, yeah, they, they might be in the market for some pitching. I mean, what team isn't? Even the San Francisco Giants, who are 62 and 37, are in the market for pitching. But th- there really isn't any rumors linking the Cardinals to anybody huge. And again, that, that could change. By the time you guys listen to this podcast, maybe the Cardinals have traded for Trevor Story or Herman Marquez or Jose Barrios or Jose Ramirez even of the Cleveland Indians. Maybe that's true. But it's just not looking that way. Because Mozeliak has said, and this part I agree with, they're not going to mortgage the future for, for, for a rental player or even for, for a shot to win this year. And, and, and I'm, I am okay with that. I really am, because I'm not about to give up a Gorman, a Libertor, a Herrera for a Max Scherzer. I'm, I'm not. I don't care how good Max Scherzer is. I might be able to part with, with mate. See, 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 no, even if I say that, I'm not willing to part with any three of those guys. To me, when you're looking at the trades the Cardinals are going to possibly try to make and who's going to be on the market for the Cardinals, who are they going to be willing to part with, those three, at minimum, are off limits for teams, in my opinion. Uh, Libertor, Herrera, Gorman. Those three, like I said, any, any discussion about those three, it's over. Libertor, Gorman, Herrera. And you could even throw in Jordan Walker as a not going to talk about him. You could throw in a Zach Thompson as a not going to talk about him. Maybe even Angel Rondon as a not going to talk about him. Those are three of your top five, or five of your top ten, ten rather, prospects. Because according to W.com, Top 10 goes like this. 1 to 10. Libertor, Gorman, Herrera, Zach Thompson, Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, Jean Torres, Tink Hentz, Angel Rodon, and Edwin Nunez. I can guarantee you the top three aren't, aren't moving anywhere. So the problem, and I've been talking to some Locked On hosts this week, this this weekend I should say, about, ooh, what, what about these players? You know, I've thought about maybe not Trevor Story because he's a rental, but what if the Cardinals are, are, are going to go after somebody with, with an extra year of control? Maybe a Jose Ramirez to play second base. Maybe a Dre Turner to play shortstop. Maybe even a Jose Barrios to bulk up the starting rotation. All these guys have an extra year of control on them, at least. And that's going to cost That's that's going to cost a price. Because it's not going to be a Jose Ramirez straight up for Tommy Edmond. <laughs> it's just not. Jose Ramirez is going to cost some people. 
I was talking to Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nationals about Trey Turner. Not that the Cardinals are even linked to Trey Turner, but he's a very uh, attractive option at shortstop. And he said, yeah, it's going to take at least Nolan Gorman. Yeah, that's not happening then. So the problem that the Cardinals have put themselves in is that th- th- this farm system is very, very top-heavy in Libertor, Gorman, Herrera, even Thompson. But especially Libertor, Gorman, and outside of that, yeah, they're highly ranked in the Cardinals' prospect system. But when you look in the top 100, the Cardinals, uh, they're not very well represented in the, in the top 100. They don't have anybody in the, in the top 10. But they have Libertor and Gorman, 27, 28, and then Herrera at, at 80. So they're top th- only three of the, only three of their prospects are in the top 100. So they're not very deep beyond those those top three. And I'm not trying to say any, anything about you know bad about the the prospect system, but it's just not a very deep prospect system for the St. Louis Cardinals right now. So even if the Cardinals were, were going to try to go after a more controllable player instead of a rental player, because they're not going after a rental player, they're just not. It's going to cost. It's going to cost you more, plain and simple. And the Cardinals just aren't willing to, to go there. And, and I, I get that. I get that the Cardinals don't want to give up their future. Because in my opinion, Nolan Gorman is going to be the second baseman of the future. Ivan Herrera is going to be the catcher of the future starting in 2023, maybe late next year. And Libertor has a chance to be the ace of the future. Numbers aren't incredible right now, but we, we, we see the stuff that, that Libertor possesses. So the point that I'm trying to make with all this talk about how this is a 500 team, that's what they've played to, the injuries haven't helped, and, and all this talk about trade stuff. If the Cardinals are going to buy by Friday's deadline, and I mentioned this in the Locked On Now video I posted on social media, if they're going to buy to be competitive, this team is going to need to buy hard. And I just don't see that happening. They're going to need to make big acquisitions. Yes, they've made little ones. They've got a Wade LeBlanc, a Waddell, a Justin Miller, a TJ McFarland. They just signed somebody or acquired somebody from Toronto, uh, TJ something. Um, Sorry, I'm looking it up right now. But and it, it's just one of those things that they've made these little, um, little acquisitions. TJ Z E U C H. TJ Zek. Apologies if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But that they've made these little acquisitions, and those little acquisitions are fine if you're the 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 Dodgers or the Nash or not Nash the the Giants, the Padres, the Mets of the world. I say that, however, knowing that the Padres made a splash in acquiring Adam Frazier. So even the competitive teams right now are getting big-time acquisitions, and the Cardinals are nowhere near the Padres before they had Adam Frazier. The Padres had three or four guys hurt when the Padres swept the Cardinals earlier this year. This team is just a 500 team right now as it stands. If they want to be competitive in the playoff market, they're going to have to make moves. They're going to have to make them fast. Because they, they don't have a whole lot of leverage right now. They really don't. They might have a little bit of leverage in the Trevor Story situation because of, you know, the contract is up. Maybe they've got some leverage there. But this team right now needs some big-time acquisitions, and I just don't see them coming. It, I would have been a lot more confident in seeing them coming if they would have won this weekend against Cincinnati take a 2-3. However, they did not. They lost two out of three. You felt really good about Friday. You felt decent about Saturday once it started making the comeback. And yesterday was bizarre, wacky, and pretty dominating by St. Louis. So we'll go, go get into the weekend that was in St. Louis Cardinals baseball and talk about how 
a really frustrating weekend at Cincinnati. was very close to a very satisfying weekend, but so close, yet still oh so very far. Before I get into that, take a break to talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. Trade deadline is coming up. You can track all the action at Bet Online. You can get your Olympic odds, baseball odds. You can get your college odds. That's coming up. College football soon. UFC, MMA action, all of it. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as baseball is making some trades as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 50% Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Cardinals fall two times in three days against the Cincinnati Reds this weekend. And like I mentioned, it was oh so very close. Talk about two overarching themes real quick. First of all, the umpiring was bad. C.B. Buckner was bad on Friday. Uh, the, the replay situation was bizarre yesterday. Home put umpire was not great yesterday. It, it was just a, a rough weekend for umpiring. And here's what I'll say about that. I don't know if there's anything to, to say of whether it was intentional of how bad they were against the Cardinals or anything of that nature. I'm not going to comment on that. But I would like to see... You know, and, and I'm an umpire. I'm, I'm a high school umpire, high school basketball official. Again, I don't think high school umpires should be held to the same standard as major league officials. Like, if a high school umpire gets 88% or 92% of their strikes called correctly, that's, that's, that's great. That's awesome, wonderful, fantastic. But as a major league umpire, and again, not to think that every major league umpire should be 100% perfect every single night because it's not going to happen. They're human too. But, you know... The word accountability has been thrown around a lot because there was Doug Eddings had a weird situation in San Diego over the weekend as well, kind of calling strikes because he was mad at the San Diego Padres. At least that's how I understand it from Twitter. I do wish there would be more accountability or at least a little more explanation from umpires or the association. But again, that, that's a different discussion. I don't want to get too into that. And Mike Schilt got heated with the, uh, with the umpires in the last couple of weeks. Got ejected twice in the last two series, and they won both those games. Maybe the Cardinals, maybe I saw somebody on Twitter say that maybe he should get uh, ejected more often. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but nevertheless, let, let's get into it, because I mentioned this on the Locked On Now video. Again, just one more overarching theme. Forgot to mention the second one. We, we saw all the Cardinal weaknesses this weekend. We saw the need for starting pitching. And yes, Miles Michaelis was sharp in his rehab start, and, my, and Jack Flair is making a rehab start tomorrow, Tuesday. I understand those two guys are coming back. But to me, Michaelis is still a question mark. And I, I think I'm pretty confident what you're going to get from Flaherty, at least at least overall, maybe not right when he comes back, but from Michaelis is still a question mark. So those two guys, I get it. Those are coming back. But outside of Wainwright and Kim, really since May, we haven't seen two solid turns through the rotation from all five guys. We've seen a really good stretch of starting pitching since the All-Star break. I totally get that, 100%. Credits where credit's due, not trying to just dismiss the fact and just look at the negatives here. 
But like I said, outside of that little stretch, they really have been super consistent. Have not been super consistent since late mid late May, whenever they were in first place. So we see we saw the starting pitching need. We saw the bullpen need because the bullpen has faltered a lot the last week. They blew two leads in Chicago. They could not hold the lead on Friday. They could not hold the game close Saturday, and even yesterday they faltered a little bit and let the Reds get back into it. Chip, chip, chip away. So we saw the need for a bullpen piece. We saw the need for a bench bat. And again, the mismanagement and the problem that came on Friday when Adam Wainwright was pinch hitting in a one-run game with two outs in the ninth. You can blame Schultz all you want. And you can tell you can tell me that Yadier Molina is as lazy as you want to tell me he is. And then I agree with you on, on some of those points. You, I, can, I can agree with you that Yadier Molina hasn't put a whole lot of effort into blocking certain baseballs this year. But there's no way you're going to tell me the idea of Molina is so lazy that he's going to try to use a stiff neck as an excuse to not hit in that situation. Yadier Molina didn't play the next two days. Didn't play a single lick this this inning or this uh, series. That neck must be really bothering him. Must be because, like I said, you can tell me all you want about how bad he is offensively, about how lazy he looks, about how nonchalant he looks behind the plate sometimes, about not blocking all the baseballs, and that's fine. That's a different discussion. But when you're talking about Yadier Molina, the the uh, the player, that the determination, the the desire to play the game, and the fact that he you like, you're not going to convince me that he used a sore neck as an excuse to get out of playing, getting there. You're not going to tell me that. But still, we saw the need for a bench bat. Because even when Matt Carpenter was pinch hit, you threw up Jose Rondon on Saturday, and he popped out. And yeah, Jose Rondon, you know, he's a nice enough player. He's fine. But he's not <laughs> he's not the prolific bench bat that, that one might desire. So we saw all three weaknesses this weekend. We'll go and get into the game action, talk about one of those weaknesses in starting pitching. Wade LeBlanc got the start on Friday. He was okay. He struck out five. Only walked one, but gave up eight hits, three earned runs, uh, two of them coming in the first and another one in the fourth as he was only able to go four innings. And then the rest of the bullpen outside of, Hels- or outside of Helsley made, made the lead stick. You know, Andrew Miller was nice. Justin Miller was nice for an out. Hennessy Cabrera had a, a swirless, quiet inning. And then Ryan Helsley comes in, and you could I can agree with you that um, Helsley was probably – Left in a little too long. Okay, oh, a lot too long. Um, however, you you can also, and I'm also going to tell you that the error by Edmundo Sosa loomed large in this game as well. So pe- people were, were trying to blame Schilt like crazy on Friday night, especially before they knew about the Molina injury. And I'm not trying to sit here and say Mike Schilt's the best manager in the history of the world and he's going to lead the Cardinal team to glory. He could with with the, the good pieces, but you've also we've also got to keep in mind, has Schilt cost the Cardinals some games, cost them some outs, cost them some runs? Sure, that's that's fine. This team is a 500 team with or without Mike Schilt. I truly believe that. Could he manage the bullpen better? Yes, but also the bullpen isn't really that strong either. So, yes, you could have better management of it, but again, outside of the top three and maybe even Ryan Helsley, and I'm literally sitting here talking about how he struggled on Friday, the the bullpen are, are full of, of, of just absolute question marks. So, and also, like I talk about a lot, the, the players have to execute. 
Helsley didn't execute. Left in too long, maybe. Give up two hits and a double. Maybe at that point you should probably take him out. And the wild pitch didn't really help either. But after the wild pitch, he got a double play. Helped majorly by Dylan Carlson. Talk about that yeah, in just a moment. And then you got an out. And then what's so bizarre is that Helsley turns around and on Sunday, coming in relief of Johan Oviedo, Helsley enters uh, in the... In the, in the fifth inning, excuse me, with the bases loaded. Bases loaded, Helsley comes in, and he gets out of it. Strikeout and a pop-out. So it's just so bizarre of the differences in Ryan Helsley of starting an inning versus closing an inning. So, so Friday, the bullpen faltered. Helsley, Gallegos, Gallegos more so with the air, or the, the errant throw. Sosa probably should have caught it, that's fine, but the errant throw... Is really, in my opinion, what cost him, or what 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 cost the the Cardinals the game? Because that that run scoring what was the difference, and the offense, you know, it, it started out nice. I want to mention real quick before I move on to Friday, Saturday's game, Paul Goldschmidt with a mammoth, and I mean mammoth blast. Harrison Bader homered as well, and then Andrew Kisner had himself a nice little weekend. Dylan Carlson uh, had another RBI there later in the game. But at the end of the day, the, the bullpen faltered on Friday. Saturday, the Cardinals did make a comeback in this one. But th- th- this one felt more over than Friday. In my opinion, if the Cardinals, looking back on the series, the Cardinals should have won Saturday, or should have won Sunday and, and, and Friday. Beg your pardon. They really should have won um, Sunday and, and, um, and Friday. Saturday, you would have liked to see them win. But Saturday, again, the bullpen faltered. T.J. McFarland gave up a um, home run to Jesse Winker. That kind of sealed the deal there. And the the Cardinals offensively were, were fine Saturday and Friday, but Friday and Saturday they went 3-for-10 both days and stranded nine base runners. And then the Wild, you know, I struggled to say full-on slugfest, but the 10-run outburst on, on Sunday. You saw Oviedo gets supplied with a 9-3 lead. He's unable to complete the fifth inning. So he's still without that first win. You saw Andrew Miller struggle. You saw Justin Miller struggle. But then you saw Cabrera Gallegos and Reyes really pitch pretty well. So this bullpen, yes, they had inc- they had really nice moments on Sunday. They had some good moments on Friday and Saturday, but the bullpen just isn't deep enough for a playoff run. Because like I mentioned, uh, except when Helsley's coming in with runners on base, apparently, and outside of the big three, you just don't trust him. So the weekend that was in Cincinnati for St. Louis was a weekend of what-ifs. What if the bullpen is able to be stronger, or just a little bit stronger, on Friday? What if the offense is able to just get one more hit with runners in scoring position Friday or Saturday? What if Yadier Molina's de- neck doesn't tense up and maybe he leads off or starts the ninth inning, the two out gets the two out single in the ninth inning on Friday. What if? It's a series of what ifs, and I hate. I talk to my girlfriend about this all the time. I hate playing the what if game. Like, oh, what if this happened? What if that happened? Because it's a never-ending cycle of madness. We can talk about what if all we want, but at the end of the day, the results matter, and the results are not coming the Cardinals' way right now, despite a, a strong showing since the All-Star break. But they're just the results aren't there right now for St. Louis. 
I'll tell you who the results are there for, and that's the St. Louis Cardinal outfield. A banner weekend for the St. Louis Cardinals and their outfield. And I talked about this in the Lockdown Now video, so I don't want to leave you guys hanging any too much longer. You know, starting to near the end here. This Cardinal outfield has the potential to be the best in the big leagues. All the Bader enthusiasts, the Bader encouragers on Cardinal fan pages on Instagram and, and Twitter, they are sitting pretty right now. They are having a dandy time. I don't know if... I, I was never a Bader hater, but I was definitely a Bader doubter. And at least right now, I've been proven wrong. But we, we've seen him struggle. We've seen him get hot and struggle before, but we've never seen him get hot like this. More Cardinal Outfield talk to finish up the show coming up in just a moment. First, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. They are full of delicious flavors. If you don't know them, you're missing out. Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. And that doesn't even include the limited time flavors that come your way that are delicious as well. I love myself a good old double chocolate Built Bar. Because they're all covered in chocolate. And who doesn't love extra chocolate, especially when it's a healthy box? So if you haven't got yourself a box yet, get yourself a mixed box to get two of each of the flavors. And not only are these the best tasting protein bars ever, they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein on each bar. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So order today. Get the raspberry, get the double chocolate in honor of me, get the mint brownie, or whatever you'd like. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Once again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's talk some Cardinal outfield. Cardinal outfield this weekend of Bader, Carlson, and O'Neill. 10 out of 34. That's a 294 batting average. Three home runs, two by Bader, and then one each by Carlson and O'Neill. Those both came on Sunday. 10 runs driven in by the team, by, by those three. Five walks, 10 strikeouts, um, and plenty, and I mean plenty, of remarkable defense by these three. I talked about it um, when I talked about Ryan Helsley. Carlson made it a dandy of a throw to throw out a base runner. Bader's threat of an arm saved a run. Also saved a run last weekend against San Francisco. Diving catches by all three. O'Neal almost broke the left field wall on a catch. And yes, they had their struggles. Carlson was 0 for 9 before he hit that home run. O'Neal had an 0 for 4 day with a couple strikeouts. Bader had strikeouts in key situations. I get it. I mean, they're all still young guys trying to figure it out. My point is, and I talked about this on Friday a little bit. I want to hit it home again. But All three of these guys have the potential to flash five tools. Tyler O'Neill's probably weakest is the arm, but he's still throwing out plenty of runners this week. Or this season, excuse me. Bader's weakness, I want to say power, but I also don't because he's had a power. He's got a lot of home runs and his slugging percentage is good. So maybe the arm, it's inconsistent, maybe. But Bader is using all five tools right now. Dylan Carlson, probably the speed. He's probably the slowest of the three. But all five, three of these guys can flash any of their five tools on any given night and be absolutely electric. So even though, yes, O'Neill and, and Carlson had some offers this weekend and had some strikeouts this weekend, their defense 
was phenomenal. And they were able to cash in. Carlson hit a bomb. And I thought O'Neal and Carlson both hit bombs on Friday night because the camera work made it look like they were deep into the night. Sadly, they weren't. But this outfield, again, it's, it's one weekend where they're all performing. This outfield was remarkable this weekend. And it's, I think it's, it's a slimmer of what we might be able to see for a handful of years here in St. Louis Cardinal Nation. You know, ex- extension talks are a little while away, so you, you know, think about, oh, who do you want to keep? Which one do you want to let go? That, that that's a while away, but we we've never seen all three of these guys locked in at the same time. And little little sidebar here: we've never seen the entire Cardinal lineup locked in at the same time, pretty much since May. Goldsman Arenado had never been locked in at the same time. Starting rot- rotation has never pitched well for a long stretch at the same time as bullpen. So it's not just a artful problem; it's a Cardinal problem. Okay, sidebar over. Back to the outfield. You can. Not like Bader, his personality, all you want, how cocky he is. But at least right now, when he gets the job done, it's easier to tolerate. <laughs> when anybody gets the job done on a sporting field, it's usually easier to tolerate their antics. I love the passion he plays with it. You know, the, the hair is, is, a, is not really my, my style. and He is a little cocky maybe, but he's getting the job done right now. And you know, the, the comparisons to Mike Trout that some people are making are ridiculous, first of all. I want to see it for more than for more than three weeks before I compare anybody to Mike Trout. And I, I hope some of the people who are saying that are joking. Could my, could Harrison Bader get there one day? I don't know. Maybe he's not there now, so I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't even want to entertain that thought anymore. But my point is, all three of these guys had an exceptional weekend. Flashed all five of their tools at any given day, and the NL Central and the National League should be terrified. Should be scared out of their minds for what this outfield can do in the next handful of years in a St. Louis Cardinal uniform. Again, we've got a long season to go still. Consistency still needs to be checked checked off the box. The, the, you know, it's It's been a, a little bit of a while on a hot streak. I get it. I'm not saying that they're going to hit 350 the entire month, the entire rest of the way. But boy, oh boy, are these three ta- players talented. Very excited for, for the future. And, you know... If the Cardinals are going to be a 500 team, those three guys are who are going to be. I'm going to want to watch for the rest of this season. So credit to where credits due. Big credit to Harrison Bader, cutting down on the strikeouts, learning how to hit a right-handed breaking ball. All these things that we I just thought were impossible before this year. Credit to Harrison Bader. Now let's see if they can do it for longer than a, a couple weeks at a time. Cardinal off day today. Cardinal off days are never fun. So that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow's show will be previewing the Cleveland series, Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Guardians. Talk a little bit about that tomorrow um, as well as kind of get into the numbers before uh, the two-game set with the Cleveland baseball. I don't know. I think, I think they're, they're still going by the Indians right now. But with Cleveland, the two-game set starts Tuesday. Um, and then um, I'll have a Spotify green room going up sometime on Thursday. So, be on the lookout for that before I let you go. Um, if you want to make some money, listen to Locked On Bets. Uh, it's a new podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Today, Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Wherever you, you get your podcast, follow Locked On Cardinals on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at LJ Fastball. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Email the show anytime at lockedoncards at gmail.com. 
frustrating weekend. Happy trade deadline week. Hope everybody has a phenomenal trade deadline week. And until I talk to you tomorrow, be sure to have a fantastic day.